Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. He's right behind you. Man, Joby, your personality is just so awesome up here. Thanks so much. Yeah. It is K to 5th. K to 5th on that Family 5th Sunday. Uh, it will be joining us in the room. We'll still have early childhood. So um, be- before we dive into the talk today, we, we just want to celebrate something and give a challenge for our church. Uh, the celebration is we recently contracted a guy to do some work around Revolution for the rest of 2021 that's been on staff at Revolution before, and God has brought him back to Revolution and to Logan Sport for another season. And the person I'm talking about is Derek Rohde. He's in the building somewhere. Uh, actually, he just, he just brought this podium up. He was in the drum cage. Yeah, come on. Let's give it up for Derek. This is a vintage uh, Revolution picture. Uh, Revolution was still in diapers at this time, and Derek was a huge part of Revolution in those days. And and again, God's brought him back. Uh, Him, his wife Leslie, and their daughter Ellie are joining the Revolution family. Um, I'm so pumped about this, so excited for this. Derek is an incredibly skilled and talented guy. Uh, So you'll probably see Derek in many different ways, uh, many different roles over the next few months. Uh, Much of the improvements you've seen in this room Derek has been a huge contributor in that. Uh, He's just really talented and skilled. So he's going to use the last three months of this year to really get to know our technology and our teams. And our hope is that Nate and Derek will be working together in the new year to take our celebration in the room and online to the next level. And I say our hope because let me explain. Um, We've been working on the 2022 budget for our church. And we we really believe we're supposed to go into 2022 with a faith budget that will allow allow us to assemble a staff team and fund ministry areas in a way that brings growth and life change in the new year. Because I believe 2022 is going to be a year of revival for the church. I believe 2022 is going to be a year of revival for the church. Let me, let me just give you a little highlight version of what revival is in the New Testament, okay? The Greek word for revival is anapsuxis. It means this, breath of fresh air. You thought it meant church every night of the week, didn't you? That's not what it means. It's, d- it's different. The New Testament idea of revival, like I, I like to think of, about like a boat that's like stagnant in the water. Like it's just like it's, the sails are up, but it's just sitting there and nothing, there's no movement. Everybody on the boat's tired and weary and hot. They've just been kind of floating in the waves, drifting or whatever. And all of a sudden this gust of wind rushes through the sails and propels the boat forward. 
And we can't really control when that wind of revival rushes through other than our faith and our prayers, but we can, we can set our sails where we're ready to catch that. Does that make sense? So we, that's what we're working on as a staff and a board for 2022, setting the sails to be ready to catch that wind. So we have a, we have a budget number for 2022 in total, but we still have, I'm not ready to release that number yet. We still have something to work through with our board and staff and just kind of hashing some things out there still. But with that number, and, and I need you to like listen in, this is a little bit confusing. I hope I explained this well. With that faith number we have for 2022 right now, and with what we currently have in savings, our board came up with the amount of $32,000 above and beyond our budget for this year. That if we could raise that, it would, really, uh, it would really help us set that faith budget for 2022, knowing that if we do have a down month or a down quarter, we can still pay the bills and staff salaries and be faithful to our responsibilities as a church. I hope that makes sense. We're going to put it on the screen like this. We believe that the balance of wisdom and faith, we always think about those two words. They're in tension with each other at times. Wisdom and faith is getting our reserves built up with an additional $32,000 to be able to set this faith budget for 2022. And that's why Nate mentioned last week, like we've got our monthly budget plus eight thousand. We're just that we're just putting that out there as a as like, hey, we can we can operate with with our budget for the year, but we really just feel God has called us to this faith step to start this new year strong. So I'd, I'd be happy to talk with anyone if that's st still confusing or you want to hash it out a little bit. I'd love to talk with you, uh, Lucas, our treasurer, would love to talk with you. If we're if you're a partner, our our books are open. Like we're wide open to just have a conversation about anything and everything financially. And I'm going to be sharing more in the weeks to come as we get closer to 2021. So we just hope you'll join us in this final quarter of this year as we get ready for the new year, as we try to finish this year strong. Maybe, maybe God's blessed you in some way financially this year, and, and part of that blessing is to be a blessing to this movement called Revolution. Maybe like you've, you've never started like a giving rhythm that's never been a faith practice that you've participated in, and, um, but, but there's been a lot of life change in you and your family, and giving back, contributing is that next step God has for you that in this last quarter it make a, such a difference. Uh, or maybe you're already you know, taking that contribution step but God's calling, maybe, maybe in this last quarter, there's something you could do a little extra that would help us set this up. So just want to put that challenge out there. Uh, the rest is on the Holy Spirit and on you as we move forward, okay? So let me just, let's just pray for that. Let's pray for that challenge. Let's pray for Derek as he's kind of starting in this new role. Let's pray for this final week of the world's gone mad. Let's pray together, okay? God, thank you so much for how faithful you've been. We just celebrated 11 years a few weeks ago and, uh, just, that's just not just 11 years of time. That's 11 years of changed lives, changed marriages, changed families, changed ideas, thoughts, hearts. Um, we thank you for that. And as we look ahead, and, and, and as we think about this quarter and beyond, we just, we are praying that your Holy Spirit would move uh, in, in our finances, move in every area of Revolution Church. As we look to move things forward, we pray for Derek and his family, just blessings on them in this new role. And we pray our heart and minds will be open today as we end this journey called The World's Gone Mad. Just right now, Holy Spirit, come, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's check out this video as we get started with the final week here.
Ada. if you've ever found yourself scrolling through social media and you just come across these videos and you could just feel the temperature rising in you like oh just it just gets you fired up so it we're, we're gonna get to that video in a few minutes let's play a game we need to play a game okay final week of this theme uh and here's what we're gonna do randy's gonna help us with this on presentation by the way randy is he is an amazing volunteer at revolution we've really connected like he, he we just i don't know we work really good together with him running these screens and me up here can we get Give it up for Randy over in the tech booth. Thanks, buddy. So Randy's going to put uh, two images on the screen, and, and by raising your hand, you're going to let us know which team you're on, okay, which side you're on with the two pictures. You ready? Okay, for, for classic battle. First one's a classic battle here. Cats versus dogs. Where are the cat people at? Cat people. Let's stretch a hand toward these people and pray right now. The prayer room's open, okay? The prayer, uh, dog people, dog people, okay. I, th I thought that might be the case. Uh, how many of you just say, neither, all I see is allergies up there on the screen. All I see is allergies, a few of us. Uh, okay, let's do another classic battle here. Tea versus coffee, look at that tea picture. That is like, uh, all right, where are the tea people at, tea? Love tea, wow, no kidding. And who actually likes things that taste good? Coffee people. <laughs> Tea's fine if you're sick, it's fine. Um, all right, next one, Marvel versus DC. If you're not familiar, Marvel, and you can see it up here, Marvel's like Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, you know, Hulk, Captain America. DC is Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, the Flash, that kind of stuff. So where, where are the Marvel people at? Marvel? Oh, I saw hands go up real fast right here in that fourth row. Okay, all right, hand, um, DC. Few, oh, wow, okay. How many of you are like, I don't care, you're all dorks? Okay, there we go. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, okay, cla this classic battle, Coke versus Pepsi. Coke? Okay, yeah, this is exactly what I thought. Pepsi? We are so divided on that one, aren't we? We're right down the middle. Uh, let's look at this next one here. Um, oh, Colts versus Bears. Where are the Colts fans at? Seriously, you are that proud to be a Colts fan still this year? Wow. Uh, Bears? Everybody with their hand up, you were born before 1984, weren't you? Before there was even a Colts to cheer for. <clears throat> All right, uh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Indiana University versus Ball State. Indiana University, yeah, Ball State. Oh, really? All right, okay. Where, where's the boiler up, people? Put it on the screen. Boiler up. Wow, I think next service might be a little different than that. Most important battle, most important battle. Here we go. Charmin, whatever is cheapest on sale and gets the job done. Raise your hand if that's you. Nobody wants to vote on this or what? No, you're my people. Thank you. That's, that's how it's done. Um, so the reason I wanted to play this game, of course, is to, to just show how easy it is to, to kind of draw these lines of us and them. 
And it's all fun and games, right? It's, it's so fun when it's Coke and Pepsi and Bears and Colts and all that kind of stuff. But, but what about when the topics and issues run a little bit deeper than what we saw on the screen? Like vaccinate versus don't vaccinate. Liberal versus conservative. Pro-life versus pro-choice. Black lives matter versus all lives matter versus blue lives matter. And, you know, keep going. Sexuality, immigration. You're feeling like, oh, that's not the same as cats versus dogs, is it? Uh, and it's, it's so easy to make it about us versus them, especially when anger is involved in the equation, right? I mean, just think about it in everyday life. When some, someone cuts us off in traffic, it's easier to imagine that person's a monster because we get angry about it rather than, hey, maybe they're late to work today. Maybe that's what's going on. We don't know exactly, right? Or, or if someone posts something inflammatory on social media, it's so easy to think, man, that person's my enemy because we get fired up about it rather than someone that's really trying to work out their convictions like the rest of us. So, in the final week of this world's gone mad, the week I dared you to be at, I've been, the last two weeks I said, I dare you to be at week three, and we decided to tackle this theme because it really feels like anger is in the air in our world. You know, that, that montage video was just a small glimpse of many things that are going on out there. And we're getting angrier. Uh, according to a survey of 3,000 Americans, we looked at this in week one, half of us say we are angrier today than we were a year ago. And that survey is five years old now. And I don't, I don't see that it's gotten any better. So we've talked about three areas where our anger is focused. We looked at mad at me. Sometimes our anger is unprocessed, unconfessed sin in my own life. Last week was mad at us. What do we do with this anger we have toward one another in the church, in the body of Christ? What do, what do we do with that anger? And so today, as we conclude this, it's mad at them, people in this world that make us angry. And so just like we've done every single week, I want you to think about who is them for you? Who is them? I mentioned some stuff just a minute ago. It might, that might have fit. Uh, it could be a specific person. It could be a particular type of person or a particular label that we put on people. But just think, what, who is them for you? All right, so let's go straight to the truth of what Scripture teaches in this area. We ready for this? We're going to go to the book of Colossians. Uh, I love Colossians because Colossians, it's a letter written by Paul. We've talked about him a lot in this, this series. Paul was a church planter. He wrote all these letters back to churches that he helped start. Colossians is the only letter, though, that he wrote back to a small-town church. All the other letters were written to churches in urban centers, in metro areas. Colossians was, Colossi was a small-town, blue-collar America church, okay? And so it, he, in, in Paul gives some instructions in this letter to these small-town Jesus followers on how to treat the thems in our life. And he says this, and we're going to walk through this slow, okay? So hang with me. This is how he starts at Colossians 4, 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Some of us, I think, need to memorize this statement. Maybe all of us. Before we say something or do something or post something or respond to something or react to something, we need to just tell ourselves, I need to be wise in the way I act toward outsiders. People outside the church, outside the faith that don't think, act, behave, believe, vote like we think they should. 
Be wise in the way you act. Here, here's some definitions for wise. Here's some definitions. Help us understand. Responding sensibly or shrewdly. Think about that. Having or showing experience, knowledge, or good judgment. That's another, another definition for wise. And then the last, last definition I want want us to think on. Informed, discerning, and perceptive. And all of these, I think, really matter. We need to think on this. The, the statement that really caught my ear or caught my eye as I was looking at it uh, in dictionary.com is, or, you know, using good judgment, having good judgment. That's something I want to be known for. Someone like a leader, a person that has good judgment. I don't know about you. I want to be known for that. And I was thinking about it. Having good judgment is not, in, in my opinion, having good judgment is not, I'm mad about this. I'm really mad about this, so I'm going to tweet in 280 characters or less my well-thought-out, full opinion on this very difficult issue. I don't see that as good judgment. Uh, good judgment is not, I'm mad at this person. I'm mad at this person, so I, I know what I'll do. I'm going to text them right now because I'm emboldened in my anger. I feel emboldened, so I'm going to text them exactly how I feel about them right now. I don't see that as good judgment. See, I, I see good judgment as a verse we looked at in week one, James 1.19. Total, totally different than this. My dear brothers and sisters, nobody's out of the loop on this. Brothers, sisters, men, women, children, adults, take note of this. It's going to be on the test, remember? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And especially when it comes to outsiders, people that don't claim to follow Jesus with their lives, be wise. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And, and let me just say, to, to maybe you're in the room today, or, or you're watching online, and you're an outsider. Like, you're, you're not sure about Jesus. And, and so I have to start by saying, I am so pumped you're here. If that's you, if that's you watching online, you tuned into Revolution Online. Like we started Revolution 11 years ago to be a place where outsiders feel welcome and loved and accepted in this family, where you don't feel like an outsider at Revolution. Because here's the thing, we believe there's nothing better in this world than Jesus. Nothing. In the ways of Jesus and, and loving Jesus and, and displaying his love to others through your life, there's nothing better than that. So when you're ready, we want to introduce you to Jesus. We don't hold back on that. We're all about Jesus at Revolution. But maybe, maybe you, you're not sure on that right now. And if you're just checking out church for the first time in a while, maybe you're thinking, as I read that verse in Colossians, you're like, man, there's Christ followers I know that I don't think have heard that phrase that Paul wrote in that letter, or if they've heard it, they're definitely not following that phrase. And my response is, yes, there are, and I'm one of them. I fail at this often. Because sometimes Christ followers aren't any better at handling that anger we have toward the thems in our life than anyone else. We get caught up in our echo chambers and our confirmation biases, and we get stuck in our own bubbles of people that just act and think like we do, because it's easier that way. Life's easier that way. And so when, when we encounter a them, we don't know how to respond or handle it other than lashing out or throwing out a Bible verse or, or posting a meme that completely oversimplifies an extremely nuanced issue. But we should be better. We should be better. Right? Because God, we believe that we, there's a text that we believe to be God's inspired word, scripture, the Bible. And within that text, there's a phrase I just read that says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. We should be better. And so to the outsiders listening in, we're never going to get this down perfectly. So forgive us. 
But here, here's, here's my hope. Here's what, where I see revolutions different. We see the problem, and we're working on it, and we're pursuing the ways of Jesus better. We're trying to figure this out more together. So let me throw those definitions on the screen one more time. Maybe you even take a picture of this. So this is what it means to be wise. But let's go a little deeper than this. I want to cross-reference that word wise with another text that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. Because I think this really explains what he means. When it comes to outsiders, when it comes to people outside the faith, he says this. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us, let's read it, wisdom. There's that word again, from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So Jesus has become our wisdom, it says. What does that mean? Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And then he flows right into chapter 2. Still talking about wisdom here. And so it was with me, dear brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. And I think, I think verse 2 is really the heart of what he's trying to get to. For I, Paul, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you with wisdom. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I want us to really think about this, okay? Paul was a brilliant man. Paul knew a lot more than this. Paul was, I mean, he, was, he had the most elite education in the world at the time. I mean, think Ivy League education, Yale, Harvard, Indiana University, like that level of education. Paul had been trained under the most respected Jewish teacher, Gamaliel. He studied in Tarsus. He was from Tarsus, which was the intellectual center of the world at the time. I mean, brilliant guy. He could have thrown out his opinion on all kinds of things. I'm sure there are so many things in the culture in the city of Corinth he could have pointed out that were wrong and he gave his opinion on this or that. But he says wisdom is putting the message of the cross above everything else. He says, I didn't come to you with human wisdom. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When, when Paul came to the people in Corinth that were outside the faith, they were outsiders, he came in with wisdom claiming, I have resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as people became Jesus followers in the church, he started talking about more things. I mean, he talks about more things in this letter back to the church. But to those outside the faith, what he's saying is, wisdom is, I have lots of opinions, but here's what I'm 100% confident in, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because that's the only thing that can change a human heart and open someone up to hear more truth. I, I think this will help. I love how Andy Stanley puts this. He, he gives us this statement that really, I think it really helps. Never make a point at the expense of making a difference. Or here, here's how I've said it over the years. I never want my activism to trump my evangelism. I never want my activism to trump my evangelism. The message of the cross is too important. The gospel is too important. So before we jump into the fray trying to prove our point, we need to remember our mission is not to win arguments or try to throw out our opinions. Our mission as a Christ follower is to help people find Jesus and live like him. That's our mission. Our mission is to point people to the cross. 
Our mission is not to prove we're right all the time, and that's wisdom. That's being wise in the way we act toward outsiders. We never make a point at the expense of making a difference. And I'm not saying there aren't times to go toe-to-toe with our opinions. I think as we build relationships with people outside the faith and trust has been built, hash stuff out. Go at it a little bit. But at the very least, here's what I'm saying. At the very least, I should always think about, before I say something, post something, respond to something, does this jeopardize someone finding Jesus or being pointed more toward the cross of Jesus? Anything in our words or actions to those in this world that that don't know Christ that jeopardizes the mission should at least cause us to pause. Never make a point at the expense of making a difference. That's wisdom. And Paul says, be wise. But he says more than that. Okay, let's go back to Colossians now. You still with me? Okay, Colossians 4, 5. Let's finish the verse. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I love this phrase. Last week, Paul challenged us with people in the church. He said, make every effort. Remember that? Make every effort. This is, he says it a little bit different here. Make the most of every opportunity. It sounds a little less intense, doesn't it? Like, ah, if an opportunity comes around where an outsider, you know, is talking to you, you know, take, take advantage of that opportunity. No. This, this idea of making the most of every opportunity is a lot more intense than it sounds. Because the phrase literally means to buy up. To buy up, suggesting an intense activity that recognizes time is limited. For example, do you remember a few years ago when the Hostess factories were stopping production and Twinkies were going to be off the shelves? And we were all, like, we thought it was the end of the world, right? I mean, this, this is it. This is how it all ends. No Twinkies. And so everybody's going crazy buying up all the Twinkies. And people were selling Twinkies on eBay and Facebook Marketplace. Let's be honest. Did anybody buy Twinkies on eBay or Facebook Marketplace? That's good judgment. Way to go, revolution. Um, but, but, like, but that's how, I mean, it just got crazy, right? I, I, I think that's a little bit of what Paul's talking about here. A funny way to think about it. But what if we saw the opportunity to help people find Jesus and live like him in the same way? With the same intensity. Whenever you see a Twinkies box now, just think about our mission. Helping people find Jesus and live like him. And, and use good judgment. Don't buy the Twinkies and just take opportunities to reach out to people, okay? Because there are opportunities around us every single day. Every single day. Like at work, in the checkout aisle. I mean, even just in how, how we act and, and behave and listen and respond. I mean, to the waitress, the waiter. There's I mean, opportunities around us every single day. How, how do we make the most of those opportunities instead of sabotaging them as the church? Just, I mean, just think about this. Je- Jesus was so intentional about this. Who did Jesus spend the most time with other than his disciples? The thems. Like the people that could not have disagreed with Jesus any more than they disagreed with Jesus. It was people that the society had deemed were the outcast, the outsider, the thems. To the point where the religious elite were saying about Jesus, he's a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of sinner. That's what they said about Jesus. Look at that rabbi hanging out with those people. He was intentional about it. Like, I've said it before. When I hear rumors that come back to me from people in other churches about me or about revolution, I celebrate that because Jesus got that all the time. He got that all the time. I, I like, fist bump Jesus when that happens. Like, we're in this together, right? We got to be intentional about acting on these opportunities, okay? 
Take it, like, make the most of every opportunity. Then look at verse 6. One more verse here in Colossians. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's another good distinction when it comes to last week and this week. Uh, last week, Paul said, make every effort to keep the unity, right? Maybe when it comes to people outside the faith, we can't keep the unity. But we can at least pursue courtesy. Maybe, we, maybe relationships break down because there's not common, like common ground on, on the cross of Jesus. Maybe we can't do unity, but at least courtesy. How many of us would admit that at times we've been lacking in the courtesy department? Our conversations have not always been full of grace and seasoned with salt with thems in our life. I've been there plenty of times. What would it look like if our prayer was, God, help me be full to the brim with grace in every conversation I have today? I think Facebook would be a little quieter, for one. <laughs> Probably a lot more things. Because many, many Christ followers I've known over the years, for whatever reason, we, we think it's our duty to fill our conversations with salt, especially with people outside the church. We, we fill our conversations and our social media page and our dialogue with salt. And we're like, you're wrong. That's not right. You're a sinner. You messed up. That's, you, like, you're lost. You need Jesus, and Jesus loves you. You know, fill, we fill our conversations with all this salt, and then we, we sprinkle a little grace in at the end. That's not what the verse says. The verse says our conversation should be full of what? Grace. Always, 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 every single time, let your conversation be full of grace and then season it with some salt. And not enough for the cholesterol to go up, okay? Just a little sprinkle, like that Pinterest recipe you tried the other day, just a little dash, a little dash of salt at the end. That's what it needs to look like. When we fill our conversations with grace and then season them with salt, it opens all kinds of doors for influence, for the Holy Spirit to move in and do his thing. And maybe an example from my world would help with this. Um, and, and this doesn't have to do with thems in my life, but I, I, it's just a practical, practical example of, of that grace and salt thing. So I hope this helps. Uh, and th this example, it actually came up in a conversation last weekend in the lobby with someone that was here last week, and we were hashing some of the message out a little bit. I, my hope is that last week and this week, there's lots of conversations that happen outside this room based on what we talk about. But um, I, I don't know if it's because of the reputation of revolution in our community uh, and just how we're known, but I get lots of opportunities to do wedding ceremonies for people outside of our church family. And I used to say no all the time to this because the kids were small and revolution was just getting started. I used to say no to lots of these opportunities, but now we're at a different stage as a family and as a church. I almost always say yes to these opportunities because I want to make the most of every opportunity, as Paul says. So I'm, I'm intentional about it. I, I've actually thought about marketing myself, you know, like wedding guy, you know, marriage. I don't know, I don't know if that works or not, but uh, we're, we're not Vegas in Logan Sports, so that's probably not the right strategy. Um, because, but I see it as an opportunity because I, I, I try to meet with a couple at least five times leading up to the wedding day when I'm officiating. And, and when I meet with a couple, especially a couple outside the church, outside the faith, the message of the cross trumps everything, right? Like Paul was talking about. So I'm going to let you in on a little premarital counseling uh, methodology, but I'm not breaking any confidence, okay? I mean, we're just going to talk about how it works, okay? So we, we work through all kinds of different things in, in the, the five sessions, like leading up to the wedding day, uh, from finances to responsibilities in the home to leadership to even sex. We talk about sex. 
And the first couple of weeks, we're, we're talking about their story and, and first dates and, you know, laughing and having a great time. Lots of great stuff. But as the Holy Spirit opens the door, maybe some salt once in a while, throw a little salt in. But then in week three, I know I have to get the salt shaker out. It's still full of grace, but I, the salt shake, shaker is ready. And the book that I have the couple read, it kind of takes us there in week three. But um, I asked them about sexual purity in week three. And I talk about what I mean by that, sec, uh, biblically speaking, and you know, what sexual purity is. When, when you've made that covenant commitment under God in marriage, that's, that's when you get the green light for that. And, and so we talk about it, and, and I say, so I, I talk about what it means. I say, so how are you doing with that? And almost always I hear, well, not, not the, I mean, we do better. No, we're not good. We're not, no, we're not, honey. <laughs> you want to answer? So that's, that's kind of the answer I get. So I just lay it out there. I, I, I hand them this article that explains sexual purity and why it honors God and why it sets up a marriage for success. And honestly, the, the article connects with people far from Jesus, people that are following Jesus. It's really practical. And then I say, okay, so I want you to go home. I want you to read this article. And then I feel like after reading it, you know, when we come back together, you got three options. Option number one, uh, you, you, you guys decide as a couple, you know what, we're going to move out. Because oftentimes that's part of it, you know, living together. So we're, we're going to, until our wedding day, we are going to move out. We're going to figure out the finances somehow. And we are going to pursue sexual purity until our wedding day. That's option one. Option two, we're going to move in. We can't, we just can't figure it out financially. So we're going to move into separate bedrooms or the guy's going to sleep on the couch. Um, until the wedding day, we're going to pursue sexual purity until the wedding day. Option three, you're going to be like, I get the point of the article, but we've decided we're going to just continue doing what we're doing. <laughs> and I get that. <laughs> I get that. Uh, the option three comes up. That, but that's a little salty, right? That's a little salty. But then I cover it with grace again, and I say, look, I'm officiating your wedding no matter what. We're going to continue to meet. We're going to continue to talk about things. But my responsibility is to speak the truth in love. That's my responsibility. Do you see how that's such a different strategy than turn or burn? Or some of the Facebook posts that we see? Or some of the ways that we see Christians communicate truth? It's just a different strategy, friends. It's what Colossians is speaking to. And hopefully that just puts some flesh to these words in Colossians. Because I just believe this is, this is so important for the church to think through and apply. And so let me just give us a few practical thoughts as we conclude this talk and conclude this theme. Just five practical thoughts. I'm going to go through them real quick, so hang with me on this. I, I hope, maybe if you've not thought through much or not wrote anything down, this might be it right here. Here's thought number one, is we're going to live this out. We have to remember our identity in Christ. Your identity is not wrapped up in winning an argument. Your identity is not wrapped up in changing someone's mind. Your identity is not found in any hot-button issue. Your identity is not in correcting all the anti-Jesus ideas out there. God is not going to be disappointed if you don't post that article that you're really fired up about or you don't push a little bit harder on someone to change their mind. Your identity is in Christ. And in being his child and what he says about you, he loves you, he's with you. If you start there and believe that, you're, you're going to be driven by love and not anger. Your identity is in Christ. we got to start there. Thought number two, believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and powerful. I think sometimes we come off really harsh as Christ followers in the points we try to make because we don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we get our job descriptions mixed up too. We think it's our responsibility to take on his job. 
Here's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit here. And when he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Did you know it's not your job or my job to convince and convict the world of its sin? We are to speak the truth in love and let the Holy Spirit work full of grace, seasoned with salt. That's how our conversation is to be. It is his job to convict the world of sin, not us. Have you ever worked with someone that, like, like they had their job, but they kept trying to do your job and getting all up in your business, and, and it just made your job so much harder? Like, you got your job. Do your job. I can do my job. If you just do your job. I think that's the whole, how the Holy Spirit feels about us sometimes. Like, if you wouldn't keep messing this up, you tell them the truth in love, I'll keep working. Let it go. I'll keep working. That's the Holy Spirit. Believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and powerful. Believe it. Thought number three, always pray before you post. That's just a, just a little, not when you're posting like the picture of the kids or the grandkids. I'm talking like, like oh God, help this picture to turn out well. No, I mean, I mean like when it's a fired up thing. Like, okay, should I post this? Is this wise, you know? And I, I mean, I could expand on it. Always pray before you talk about a sensitive subject. Always pray before you text someone back that you're mad at. Always pray before you respond to them. Always pray. And you're like, pray? I can't even look at them, let alone pray for them. Oh, I didn't say it was easy, and neither did Jesus, because he said this. But to you who are willing to listen, insinuating, hey, a lot of you aren't going to listen to this, but to those that are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If we just did that, that would change everything. Not to them to us. Thought number four, find an affirmation in the other. I'll go through these last two real quick. Instead of jumping in with our opinion and our point, I, I want to challenge us. Find an affirmation in the other person. I think the, the writer of Proverbs was getting at this when he says, a gentle answer deflects anger. If I'm willing to lay down my need to win an argument, if I'm willing to let go of my desire to prove a point or change someone's mind, I can always find something to affirm in the other person's perspective. I can always find some common ground. And maybe affirming the other person is all I can do. Like, I can't come to your side at all. I can't agree on anything you're saying. But I just really appreciate you having a conversation with me. I really appreciate I appreciate how much thought you've put into this. I don't agree at all, but I appreciate how much thought you've put into this. A gentle answer deflects anger. Find an affirmation. Thought number five, ask good questions. Take a posture of learning. What if we set out to understand why a person thinks a certain way instead of trying to just get our point in all the time? Here's a few examples of questions we could ask. What brought you to this conclusion? What brought you to this belief? Because we get story there, right? We hear, get to hear a story. What brought you there? Uh, what brings you the most joy because of this belief? How does this belief help others in your mind? How does it work out? How does it help you in your mind? And, and maybe you're like, well, if they say the wrong thing, then I get to throw my point in, right? Not quite, because Peter says this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, for everyone who asks, to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So if they ask a question back, we can respond with gentleness and respect our opinion. If they don't ask us, you know what? It's okay to let it go. It's okay to not respond at all. 
believing that the Holy Spirit is going to keep doing his job. Remember, we don't need to win an argument. We don't need to prove a point. Never make a point at the expense of making a difference. The cross is too important. Helping people find Jesus and live like him is too important. We've talked about the cross a lot in this theme, right? We, we've centered on the cross every single week, confessing our sins to the one that paid it all in week one. Unity is built on the cross of Christ. If we can stand on the cross, we can stand arm in arm on this mission. And today the cross compels us to lay down our desire to make a point so that someone might find the truth of Christ just because of how we treat them. So we're going to remember the cross today. And one of the ways we do that at Revolution is through this thing called communion. So I'm going to ask if you want to get your elements out and if the lights could come down a little for this. And we're, This is just us and God, a, a moment of remembering what he did. And he set the standard for how we can live this out. Let me, let me just pray for us as we journey into this. God, as we remember the ultimate sacrifice, the greatest event, the the most amazing display of love ever. Let this be something that gives us strength to live out the cross in this world. So Jesus was with his closest friends in the upper room. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat it. This is my body. So let's take the bread. Let's eat it together. Let's remember together. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood that establishes the covenant. It is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take the cup. Let's drink it together. I tell you from this moment I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink of it in the new way in my father's kingdom with you and after this they sang psalms and went out to the Mount of Olives so we're gonna sing a couple songs and just celebrate together as we close out today as we close out this theme lots of challenging stuff but we can do it because of what Jesus did for us let's stand and celebrate together <laughs>